Well, hello there and welcome to uh, something really different in this uh, podcast series. Um, this is called Flash Forward Talks. So no mixtape in uh, this show, um, but just a conversation. I'm a kind of a fan of podcasts more and more. Um, the last couple of months um, I've been listening to all sorts of podcasts from the Empire uh, movie podcast to uh, a podcast by a comedian Mark Maron and the thing is it's, it, it's really interesting to listen to them because you have um, a lot of interviews that last for more than 10 minutes more than 20 minutes even and it's still still very compelling to listen to them and you you learn a lot of stuff uh, about how people's lives are how people manage their their art uh, be it music be it comedy uh, be it uh, film and so um, I'm kind of well I, I do like talking to people and talking to people um, for a longer time to to see what um, makes them tick. So the idea was let's uh, let's do that um, with DJs and producers. Let's let's talk to people who are in the music business, um, who are producing dance tracks, um, are DJing sometimes all over the world, and uh, see what they have to say, how how they lead their lives, kind of. Um, so yeah, well, it's uh, it's something that I'm gonna try and, uh, and do regularly, and um, hope you enjoy that, and hope you um, are as much interested in that as uh, as I am. Um, to kickstart uh, this kind of uh, podcast, so flash forward talks, um, I visited a friend of mine, DJ Licious, who had an absolutely amazing year in uh, 2017 with uh, two hits. Uh, 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 he played Tomorrowland thrice, uh, and one of those times was kind of a coincidence. Um, you'll, you'll hear that in the, the talk I had later on. Um, when he was playing the main stage of the biggest dance festival, biggest and best even uh, dance festival of the world, or so many people think. And uh, I can tell you this, I live on like 20 minutes, oh, only 20 minutes away from the festival. Uh, I've been there for the last, uh, well, a lot of editions now. And... Um, it's always amazing to see how, how they up the ante. Anyways, DJ Licious, huge hit in uh, 2017, two even. Uh, so uh, there's, of course, Calling and uh, the vocal ver version, uh, I Hear You Calling. And uh, then there was um, I Can't Stop, uh, which was out on Hexagon, uh, Don Diablo's label, which was kind of exciting for him as well. Um, yeah, I had a nice chat and um, this is that chat. Enjoy. <laughs> Yeah, with uh, DJ Licious for the first uh, Flash Forward Talks uh, in his home studio. Nice place here. <laughs> Thank you. Thank Very you. Very well equipped. It's here that <laughs> the magic happens. <laughs> I wouldn't say, I wouldn't call it ma magic, but uh, it's where uh, I do all my recordings and I produce all my tracks, yes. Yeah. You've been at it for quite some time now, right? Uh, it doesn't feel like it, but I've been doing, producing now six or seven years, I think. And I've been a DJ for over 15 years now. 
that's kind of all your life. Uh, thank you. <laughs> it's <so> <laughs> very <laughs> kind of you to think that I'm only 20 years old, but yeah. uh, mm -hmm. no, it's not. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, I think I started uh, collecting vinyl and started playing records when I was 15 or 16. Was it like high school stuff high yeah. school parties or uh, yeah yeah so something like that there was there was a, a friend of mine uh in art school because uh, i did art school on the side i did the regular schooling uh during the week but in the weekend i did some art school and there was a friend of mine who was uh, really into djing and into renting equipment and all that stuff and everything that came with it and uh, i tagged along a few times and then the the bug beat me yeah and uh ever since i've been yeah quite heavily involved with music yeah what, what kind of music did you play those days uh those were like you said high school parties uh weddings even uh wow uh, uh yeah all kinds of uh, parties so i played everything 360 yeah. 360 yes which is kind of a challenge as well. Right? Yeah, I think, uh, to be honest, that um, an all-round DJ is has a much harder job to please a crowd and to uh, make everybody dance than somebody who plays just one genre. Because uh, if you play for a very diverse crowd, like uh, at a wedding or uh, at high school parties or all that, you have like literally everybody in the crowd going from seven years old to 77 years old and you need to uh, entertain them all and that's very difficult and if you're in a club everybody comes for the same thing wants to hear the same songs so i think uh, all-round djs don't get enough credit for that yeah when 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 uh was then the the step towards house music uh i've always been a fan of house music it's always been my first love to uh to the, i don't want to sound corny but <laughs> uh those were the first records i bought those were the first records i played and when i uh played at a wedding i always try to sneak in a few of those house tracks but of course uh if i sometimes i overdid it and the client <laughs> wasn't that happy <laughs> but um well it gradually got better i think um i got more reputation i was asked more i started my own shows my own nights just to play my own music and yeah. from there on on yeah i just gradually shifted into uh, dj sets with only the music i like yeah I kind of know that feeling that when you're at a party doing your 360, that you try to do your own <laughs> stuff <laughs> and a little bit too much and people go, oh, why is he doing that? But yeah. it's it's kind of because you um, you kind of want to do that kind of music, but you're you don't have the platform to do it yet in a in a yeah, big way. Yeah, I think yeah. it's I think it's something like that. I think um, it's just a way you roll into things. I mean, when I started out, there weren't so many clubs, there weren't any festivals. Tomorrowland didn't even exist at the time. Um, so when I started out, uh, DJ was just uh, a guy nobody knew whose name wasn't even mentioned on the flyer, just sitting in the corner playing the music <laughs> everybody wanted to hear. Yeah. And then David Guetta came along and he, he kind of made the DJ the center of all attention. Uh, he was he really the the one that, that I think made so. that change happen? No, yeah. no, I think Tiesto was also a, 
had a played a very important role in this but mm. david Keta was the first one and i call it the l'oreal effect I don't, <laughs> the know, L'Oreal I, effect. I don't know if a, a lot of people remember this but he was the first dj ever to have uh, an endorsement by l'oreal and right. he um l'oreal wanted to sell some gel <laughs> and they made a tv commercial with uh, david Guetta, and he was the first dj ever i think to uh to make that crossover to the pop scene to the popular marketing scene the the big scene and and putting a dj out of the yeah in the spotlight yeah so i think he kind of before that of course there was a big underground scene and clubs existed and uh, there was all that but it was still something that only the young people knew about and david get made the was the front runner to to take it to the radio to take it to big media to take to yeah to in, into the spotlight so yeah. uh i think he is responsible for us to be doing what we are doing right now yeah so that's a good thing the thing that absolutely he did, yeah, yeah. yeah sure yeah it's yeah. A, it's it's by some it's considered a bad thing of course because it's it kind of for the purists out there it kind of ruined uh, a perfect scene <laughs> and, and and it was all oh it was all better back in the days yeah, when yeah, when, yeah. when when the, the big pop stars and 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 big money wasn't involved yeah but on the other hand um electronic music never had this much attention yeah. never never so i think that's something to be grateful for yeah um because and if, yeah. And, and if you don't want to belong to that commercial sh- scene you shouldn't you shouldn't be but um it's part of that success that there is also mo- more money now for the underground yeah i was i was talking to the directors of uh, patser which is uh, mm-hmm. a new belgian film really good one mm-hmm. kind of commercial as well i haven't seen it yet uh <laughs> i haven't seen it either but <laughs> yet right. yet but, oh, I'm but gonna, you're, you're I'm telling gonna, everybody I'm on the podcast <laughs> that it's a good that it's a good movie yeah but, but it's, seen it's, it. a, it's a well i hear wow. that uh, i hear that it's a really good <laughs> movie. oh you caught me there you caught uh, me there now, uh, the thing is i i saw them yesterday and i didn't say that i saw the film but mm-hmm. the thing is that i i find really interesting is that they they obviously made a commercial film mm-hmm. and that uh by doing so there's like you said like in the music industry there's more money mm-hmm. going to the underground stuff as well because mm-hmm. it's it's kind of, of this eco cycle of of things happening so yeah um, and, and it, it happens uh, a billion times only people don't know it i mean one of the most famous examples i think is kolsch kolsch is considered to be the the king of of underground wow. and 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 the guy who is so credible that even his uh bed sheets are credible and uh, <laughs> even his crap that he, that he shits in the toilet is credible yeah. but what a lot of people don't know is that he's also the guy who made calabria he's right. he's he's yeah. runa he's he's that's his that was his first alias that was his first uh outing as an artist so that's can that's considered to be one of the most cheesiest most commercial <laughs> overplayed tracks in the electronic scene ever right yeah. and he he made that track he made a lot of money and because of that he could reinvent himself and make this whole new persona and 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 yeah and and push the boundaries because there's no more financial necessity uh involved because that's also a thing you know i mean if you're an artist it's all fun and games making music just for yourself but 
if you don't sell any records then you don't get to eat and if right. you don't yeah. eat then you kind of die so <laughs> apparently yeah so it's, it's been told it's been told yeah <laughs> so i mean it's 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 always funny if people tell me i used to be better man you're now a commercial sellout because all of a sudden some national radio started playing my music it's still the same music do it's, they do they do they really they criticize do. Yeah? yeah of course they do one of my biggest singles uh, calling um was uh, received really well in the underground and um the moment that the national radio picked it up or a few bigger DJs like Avicii, uh. that moment, exactly that moment when they found out that they were playing it as well, they dropped it instantly, the underground scene. How stupid is that? Yeah, uh, it's, it's, it's the way they think, it's the way they feel. And it's still the same music. I mean, it's with Kulsh as well. Kulsh is now, I, I've been told, and I've seen it on video as well, that he's really uh, ashamed for Calabria, but it's it's the same like Radiohead yeah. for for Creep yeah, and all that yeah, stuff. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. I, it's still it's still a yeah. part of you. It, you made it. I mean, you shouldn't be ashamed of it. You, of course, you evolve as an artist and as a person, and maybe in a few years' time, you won't. Uh, you will think, oh my God, what have I done there musically <laughs> or production-wise? You've evolved and you've, you, you're better now, of yeah, course. Yeah. But you shouldn't be... It's still part of you. It's still part of your trip, your career, your life choices. Just the person who you are. The same with Pritz. He, uh, he even, uh, in contracts, he even states that um, Call On Me um, shouldn't be mentioned or played oh, during really? during yeah for promotion of his uh, of his sets. Yeah, it's, okay. It's it's I mean it's it's big entree. I mean it's yeah. the, the reason why he's doing what he's doing. Yeah, I it's mean, like uh, chain smokers and uh, selfie as well. <laughs> they don't want to <laughs> chain smokers another league or another. Yeah, they they really are, are going for the now. pop side of, of yeah, things now. But uh, same thing really. Yeah, um, in in your past are there tracks that you wish you didn't of make course. yeah <laughs> of course i mean it's uh, i mean i think almost all of them i mean <laughs> it's really it's, yeah because uh, it's like i told you it's you evolve and 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 you learn and i mean nobody when they're starting out making music or art or whatever or uh create something are instantly Picasso. I mean, mm -hmm. sure. it's it's a learning process, and even yeah. even the biggest art, art, the biggest artists. I think look at Beyonce. I, th I don't think she's proud of everything she did with this child. I don't think she's proud of even everything she did in her solo career. It's you, we, I mean, yeah, it's. But at at that moment, you think it's yeah, the best. At, it's at the that, best you can of do. Of course, right. at, that, at that moment when you release it, it's the best thing you think you have in you. Mm -hmm. But the moment you release something, it's no longer yours and you kind of share it with the crowd, with the world. And then this thing happens where you continue to make more music and listen and be influenced and evolve. And some people just stay with that one record. And if you d then make something else, that's also a problem. If you then make something else that's not in the same style, they, they go like, hey, well, why, why, aren't you, why aren't you doing the same style anymore? Because I'm not the same person I was when I made that right. record. Yeah. It's, it's, it's simple as that. But that being said, I, I still like all those tracks. I still love that I made them. 
but I don't play them either. <laughs> no, right. I, yeah, I understand because, like, yeah, as you said, you 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 evolve, and um, when you're creating a record, you have to let it go some at, yeah, at some point yeah, yeah. because otherwise you can you can stay on focus on that same track for m weeks, months, years, but. What's the use of that? You know, you no, have to absolutely. just let it go and move on. No. Yeah. A yeah, little bit. A little bit, but because it's always um, that's for me the hardest part of making music is the letting go part. I mean, it's it's. Um, I'm always really anxious when I when I release a track because uh, you always will have the pros and the cons, and with social media nowadays and everybody voicing their opinion out loud it's sometimes kind of harsh when they when they yeah <laughs> what, what they are saying they, and they, uh, yeah, yeah what, what they're saying about your tracks you know yeah and it's still it's just a track i mean sometimes i think people even give music too much weight you know i mean mm. too much it's just a track it's just a track yeah. you know it's just music it's just something i i made I, I wanted to make mm -hmm. and so just something I want to put out there and if you don't agree just don't play the song I mean right yeah don't listen to it <laughs> don't listen to it yeah. I, I when I hear to national radio when I listen to national radio uh, I constantly change change the <laughs> channel I mean it's yeah. not not on your tracks when not when oh, your tracks are playing especially on my tracks really no yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I kind of uh, well, the very first time they played one of my tracks on national radio, I was really proud. And I was uh, I remember that exact moment. I was uh, in a traffic jam in Antwerp and uh, I was looking around to the other cars, looking <laughs> to see if, if they were listening to the same music. Yeah. And I was like, this, this is me. <laughs> actually to me. Yeah, this is yeah. <laughs> but now now I kind of uh, get embarrassed because um, it's yeah it, it's strange to hear somebody talk about you while you're listening to right it, you know I yeah mean, it's strange just strange yeah um you talked about social media and people mm. giving criticism on that mm. is that something that uh gives you sleepless nights or no no i i'm the probably the most the best sleeper in the world <laughs> i think okay. no, no, I, when my head hits the uh, the pillow i just uh I just uh, fall asleep. I, uh, in that way, I'm truly blessed because uh, even on planes, when I'm uh, going abroad or going to a club or somewhere, uh, and I have to uh, to travel a lot, I just sleep the whole time. I'm a very easy sleeper, so I'm I'm really happy about that. No jet lag then? No, 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 almost not. No, uh, yeah. and but um, it does influence me on a. When I'm creating music, um, and that's something, yeah, yeah, that's something that's something I I'm working on and uh, uh, really aware of that I shouldn't be uh, looking at too many opinions before I, I I get back in my studio. Yeah, you should just follow your heart and yeah. follow your yeah, own gut gut in instinct really that was that was my excuse me that was my my my, my biggest problem um i think in the beginning of my producer's uh, career it was that in the beginning i was constantly 
thinking about how this would work and how that person would think about it and how they would receive it in a club and how this person would feel about it mm -hmm. and i constantly made music that was like um an in-between of everything yeah not really uh what i wanted to hear myself but more of a more catered to a yes, certain audience yes yeah yes. yeah and at a certain point and it was exactly with calling um i just said fuck it i'm doing my own thing now yeah. i don't care anymore just follow whatever i want to do and since then uh sales have never been better the response the criticism i've been supported i had an amazing year so i hope and i think that's part of the reason why it's going so well now yeah because, I because you just follow your yeah. own course and uh yeah and then you see other djs playing your tracks um being signed by uh guys like don diablo mm -hmm. uh for the last track um yeah how did he get to know you or uh, are you acquainted do you know each other personally well i think you you perhaps uh, see each other at festivals that's, or that's uh, the, the the funny part about um social media and and the whole globalization of m electronic music and everything yeah. it's when i released that record um oh no that's not really true <laughs> I, no i thought that i hadn't seen him before i released the record but i saw him at tomorrowland right and then we had a little chat but it's it was already with his label he already played it in las vegas on the main stage at edc he already pushed it on many social media occasions yeah uh and we haven't even met at that time or spoken it was just a management thing and then uh from that of course now there's a friendship and we email now and and we get we get a hold of each other right. and maybe there's yeah. more work to come even but it's uh first off it's always uh management or i mean this guy i think he gets like thousand messages a day or something like yeah. that he's got an immense following on social media he's i think for me he's one of the most professional um s just really grounded guys there there are in the world in in especially in this scene yeah but he's also I mean, everybody wants a piece of Don Diablo. It's insane. I mean, when I when he posted that, that uh, in September that he was releasing my track, I think I immediately gained a few thousand likes on all my social really? platforms. Uh, immediately, yeah. a lot of people were uh, people were like, uh, "Wow, you're releasing on Hexagon. How does it feel?" And I was like, "Well, uh, <laughs> <laughs> kind of the same like another <laughs> label, you know." Yeah. Uh, yeah. not being ungrateful of course hexagon is a great label but yeah, it's yeah, yeah. it's uh how did how did he get a hold of the track in the first place because uh the track wasn't signed yet when he played it at edc no, or no, was it was signed it was it signed, was signed it was yeah. just, uh, but it was, not released it was, yet no or, but it, yeah. it's it's his way of um promoting things he okay uh plays these tracks that he really likes uh, and that he's planning to release and then he plays them in his set and everybody gets to google and search which track this is right so i had to keep my mouth shut for four months that he he played my track on edc how so tough was that for you that was kind of tough <laughs> <laughs> knowing you yeah, i think yeah, it is yeah <laughs> especially because um <coughs> uh, 
I read some of the YouTube comments on that exact marker on the YouTube video. Right. And then there was this guy who said, oh, I think this is the new collab from Chami and Don Diablo. And I was like, okay, <laughs> this is this is a nice compliment we're yeah. getting here. Yeah. So now it's me, man. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but I, I I wasn't allowed to post that, of course. No, but, um, no, it was that was that was a, a cool moment, and uh, that's the way Don puts his music into the world. He first tests it, tests it in his own uh, sets, and then uh, when he sees the, that it works, he uh, releases it. Yeah, that's a cool thing. That's Absolutely, cool thing working yeah. like that yeah, because yeah. it's like you involve the audience yeah. directly in. The things that you Absolutely. put out there, and, and, he, yeah. and he has a lot of gigs. I mean, it's insane. He's he all over the world. Well, He's you are as well. Well, I'm nothing compared <laughs> to Don Diablo. <laughs> yeah. Did no. you do EDC? Uh, no, I've never no, played EDC. No. no but we met. We met yes. first time at, at Tomorrow, Tomorrow World. At Tomorrow, Tomorrow World, World. Yeah, in the in the in the States, yeah. right? Yeah. In how in how long was that ago again? Because that's four years, I think. Five years, maybe. I think four or five years. I think the first year of Tomorrow World in Atlanta was in 2004. 14 i think yeah it's possible so i don't know i like should check that no, no. it's uh yeah you can you can check that on google <laughs> folks uh just to uncorrect us if we're wrong but that, uh, was, that was the first time we met you yeah yeah wow. we're getting we did, old, we did we, yeah it we're was really old. was really cool because we did the interview on the hillside with uh yep. with the main stage in, in the back because it yep. was like this huge huge terrain where yep. it was uh held on was that the first time that you uh did a gig for tomorrowland slash tomorrow world or did you play tomorrowland no, 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 before I'm, I'm, i think i've been playing tomorrowland now for I hope I'm not getting this wrong, but I think my very first gig at Tomorrowland was um, 14 years ago. 14 years, jeez. 13 years ago, yeah. It yeah. was. It was no. It was not really a gig at Tomorrowland. You won't find me on any flyer, but oh. um, there was this uh, Red <coughs> Bull contest, right? And uh, you had to send in a demo, and then you could. Uh, be the DJ at the entrance of Tomorrowland, uh, right? On okay. the Red Bull Hummer truck. Okay. And uh, that was my first DJ set at Tomorrowland ever. Uh -huh. But that was in the back in the days when Tomorrowland wasn't even sold out, and the entrance was still. Uh, uh, sorry, people who haven't been to Tomorrowland <laughs> yet, but uh, they um, on the on the stairs, the stairway. Yeah, there's a stairway way back. Yeah, way. yeah, okay. So and uh, I played there only 15 minutes because I had an hour scheduled, but the guy before me uh, spilled a whole can of Red Bull on the mixer. Oh fuck! Yeah. So when I started out, the music uh, died after 15 minutes of set. I was still playing vinyl at the time and um tomorrowland wasn't that professional at the time uh, so they didn't have a replacement right so it was uh, i was just fucked and then uh it took another two or three years before i played tomorrowland again and then from then on i played every year so i think in total years i think i've played nine or ten time ten years of tomorrowland yeah. the last year main stage yes main stage tomorrow. that was insane because it wasn't <laughs> supposed to happen like that well it, no, no. It's, it's a good thing don't no, get no. me wrong but <laughs> it, it's like surprise you're playing no no I, I i had i already had uh three uh gigs at tomorrowland which is also quite insane because uh, last year they did two weekends yeah uh -huh. i played once at the first weekend and i had two gigs scheduled on the second weekend uh 
just telling people when I'm abroad that I'm playing three times tomorrow night is always uh, <laughs> it's always kind of fun because you always get this look of amazement like oh my god how is this possible <laughs> and then I just tell them relax I just live like five kilometers from the festival site it's right. just yeah. I mean <laughs> but anyway um, and then the, those three times were booked in I was scheduled at the magician stage I was scheduled at uh, Cafeina and I was scheduled at We Playhouse uh, recordings <laughs> and um, of Friday night, the second weekend, I closed the We Play House stage uh, after Carrie Chandler. Uh -huh. And um, I went home. I was completely... Uh, knackered. Knackered. Yeah. I was tired. I was completely beat. And I only got home at like four in the morning, something like that. Uh -huh. So I turned off my cell phone. And uh, like I always do. So don't try to call me at night, people. <laughs> And um, I go to bed, and then all of a sudden, in the morning, I think around 11, mm -hmm. there I hear this hammering on my door, uh, my house, and it's my booking agent uh, screaming, screaming that I had to open the door. Um, so I opened the door. He was there literally in his pajamas no no gel in his hair like completely <laughs> like fell he, out of his yeah. bed <laughs> yeah. uh he just drove into my my driveway and he uh he said wim you fuck i'm not i'm not joking uh, they're asking you to play at tomorrowland main stage and that I was like, day that day i was like man i just i just played there last night and i'm playing tomorrow and they want me to play the main stage today and he said, yeah, Kung's canceled. Uh, they they need you there from three to four. You're taking over from uh, Joris Foren, which is also like a hero of mine. You get to uh, to fill in. Um, and why the hell aren't you answering your phone? We've been <laughs> trying to contact you like the entire morning. As I was speaking to him, I, I turned on my phone and I think I got like 100 messages from my saxophone player, from my manager, from my label. Everybody <laughs> like, what the hell? Where are you? We need you. They're asking you to play at main stage. So I turned on my phone and my manager immediately came through uh, with, a, uh, uh, with, a, with a line. And uh, I said, uh, yeah, I just, I just saw my booker. I just heard everything. He said, well... That's good news because I already agreed that you would do it. <laughs> and I was like, what the fuck, man? I mean, I, I, I didn't even get a say in this. Right. I mean, yeah. but of course I would say yes. I yeah, mean, it's like sure. the biggest chance you get in your life. Yeah. But, um, so that was around 11, 11.30 in the morning. And at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, I was playing the main stage. Did you have any time to, nope. to prepare? Nope. No. no, of course no. not. No, no, I just uh, got ready. Uh, I called some people like my... Uh, camera guy and, and, and all those uh, people i yeah. arranged some things yeah. uh my manager was already on the way from uh on his way from amsterdam so uh i just uh got in the car around one i even twelve thirty. i went to the main stage and oh yeah i called uh, my saxophone player saxo as well to uh, to ask him if he uh if you could join me yeah that was uh he didn't have to think twice he no. did that of course and um that we just went there and i improvised the whole set 
and is it something <clears throat> that you remember vividly or is it all kind of a blur and something it's that's all a blur man yeah yeah it's uh, it's i mean you you get to play for ten ten thousand people or even more you get to take over from Joris Foren. It's, um, I mean, you have the backstage at Tomorrowland, but you have a backstage of the backstage for the main stage people. You get all these privileges. You get this special treatment. You get all these, this attention. And then you get on stage and that hour is just like, you blink your eyes and it's gone. It's, it's, and I, of course, I remember that vividly that, that, euphoric feeling and and everything else but yeah. i i don't remember what i've done i don't remember <laughs> what i did i don't remember <laughs> what i said no and just the adrenaline kicked in yeah I think. yeah no? of course yeah. yeah sure but the, the good thing was that uh i didn't get a chance to get nervous <laughs> right <laughs> this way would, would that be the case otherwise if you knew that that day you would be playing tomorrowland main stage the I anticipation uh, would be different I or I, the, yeah, the, the, I think the the whole experience would be different you would have more time to soak it in to to live the moment because you got time to prepare it in your head you know yeah. i mean i was still processing the fact that i was on the main stage when i was on the main stage <laughs> you know i mean it's if you got like three months in advance that you would know that you play there you get these three months to yeah yeah handle the fact that you will be there yeah um so that that's i think different um, but, but i th I, I don't think i would be more nervous i don't think so no it's, i'm not that i mean it i don't want to sound um self-absorbed or or pretentious or whatever but it kind of um <laughs> oh wow, i'm not i don't believe i'm gonna say this <laughs> I, it, <laughs> At a certain point, you don't get nervous anymore. You just know what to do, and right. and yeah. and the difference between two thousand people and eleven thousand people is not that big. It's just a sea of people in front of you. It's you don't get uh, your head doesn't doesn't comprehend that. I mean, they yeah yeah it's. I mean, I mean uh, there's, of course, I feel the difference if you play in a small venue, like for three, three hundred, two, three hundred people, and you have, ti I mean, you have the time of your life, and 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 it's really cozy and intimate. That's a big difference from a big stage. But once you're on a big stage, the the but magnitude yeah. is not. I mean, of course, this. I mean, Tomorrowland is still another ball game another league of course because you know there's all these people watching on youtube as well and 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 and, and the stage alone is a masterpiece mm -hmm. but it kind of grows on you yeah. over the years did your um sets at tomorrowland and especially the main stage one did that um uh, turn people towards you did you I gather gather more fans or did I, you did you get I, I get a lot of messages I or immediately got a lot of fans uh from india from some reason really like okay. i think even two or three thousand people immediately clicked like on in india for for yeah for click no farm i think so <laughs> yeah i don't know i mean it's like oh he's on the message on the morning <laughs> 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 i don't know i don't know yeah. um that's that's really funny yeah uh, and of course i got millions of reactions i mean even people i haven't seen in years or haven't i haven't talked to in years or, or, or texted in years they all 
all of a sudden found my my phone number again and yeah. and all texted like we're looking at you right now bro living the dream yeah it's like yeah it was it was insane i think i've never had a gig before that had so uh, so much impact yeah. and i still found it very surreal find it very surreal when i'm uh at a gig now and 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 i get announced as he played tomorrow and main stage i'm like oh yeah yeah that's true <laughs> it's like i oh, forgot fuck yeah that's it's it's not a dream you know yeah yeah so. um you you're, you're you have done those bigger gigs like that Tomorrowland mm. main stage thing um thing you know you know you know that old chestnut but you're you're still very involved in the the kind of smaller parties as well well small isn't perhaps the, the right word but the the party that you got started show me the party concept that you got started that's something that's continuing um now that you're successful <laughs> <laughs> what kind of question is this yeah you, de- you uh, never know people uh, grow out of things no, when, when they evolve in their careers no fuck that shit okay I, I, it's there's there's a big difference i think between me and a lot of other people is that um i really like djing it's my bread and butter it's my everything mm. i um, when i get to play for a crowd it just makes me feel home and uh, i'm not going to change that i mean it's of course probably if i my 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 schedule is getting busier and busier and and of course it's something that you sometimes there there are show me nights that i can only come in ha- almost at the end of the night because i had other engagements but I still want to do those. I mean, it's yeah. it's where it all started, and and show me is practically family. You know, uh, when we do a, a label night or a night um, when we host one, we only host like five or six a year. That's already downsized. We used to do like twelve or fourteen nights oh, a, really? a year. Yeah. Okay. We had a monthly uh, thing with show me first. Uh, we already downsized that because of my agenda, and um, but I don't want to downsize it anymore. It's it's those are just five six nights that i get to promote and that i get everybody that i know and i treasure and i cherish to come together and, and listen to a few tracks so that's just like a family friend reunion it's not really work you know yeah. so i i want to keep doing those thing those things and you should never forget where you're, where you're coming from i mean it's it's uh, and and that being said i'm I'm not actually anywhere yet i mean I'm, I'm doing great i'm doing good and 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 everything's growing but i still have i still have a feeling that i have a long 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 way to go and yeah. um and that i'm nowhere near where i want to be so yeah i think you, you shouldn't forget ever and a lot of the greatest DJs that I know um, don't forget where they where they came from and what what their roots were. I mean, look at Hardwell, look at Tiesto, look at Martin Garrix, look at Don Diablo, look at all these guys, look at the whole defected crew. Mm-hmm. They 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 always stay true to the people who were there from the beginning. And mm. and Show Me is just my my outlet my my night i started that because uh, nobody booked me (laughs) (laughs) and 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 now it's the other way around okay but it's still 
because of those nights, those show me nights, that I am where I am. So I shouldn't mm -hmm. neglect that in any way. Yeah. You said, yeah, that you're not nearly where you perhaps well, want to be. Um, 2017 was a really successful year for you. Uh -huh. Like two major hits. Uh -huh. um, well, even three, if you count the vocal version of Calling. Mm -hmm. I hear you calling. Um, where does that lead up to in 2018? <laughs> That's a very good question, Kevin. <laughs> uh, I'm starting to suspect you're uh, you're into the media business or some sort. Wouldn't know. How do you come to that <laughs> conclusion? But okay. Uh, no. Uh, well, um, uh, that's a very good question, and and everybody asks me uh, when 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 we, when we got into the new year. Everybody wa wanted to uh, ask me what they should wish me me for 2018 mm -hmm. and i said well if we could just like do the same thing we did in 2017 i would be a very happy man and that's that's where i want to start it's just if we can do the same things yeah. keep the same level like we did last year mm. and just uh, confirm all these things that there were not one-offs but that we can keep doing this mm -hmm. then i'm already a very happy man um but that being said you always want more i mean but it might be over this might already be the top of the hill you know it, you don't know and i'm really uh very uh aware of that and i have i have seen many djs uh be on a certain high point high level point and then it seemed that they were ready to move on and they just went down instead. Mm. So it's possible that the same thing could happen with me, you know? Yeah. And it's a fact that um, being an absolutely big DJ or a legend or a big status or big, big, um, hey, how do you say that? Um, a good producing yeah, artists yeah like like uh, a, yeah like a, a true icon it's right, only yeah, given to yeah, a yeah. few people you know yeah. it's only it's 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 like winning the lottery it's yeah i mean a friend of mine um he teaches in a school where he gives lessons in audio engineering mm -hmm. and um every 3 months he has a new class with 17 or 18 people wanting to be the next Martin Garrix right and his first lesson is always like, look around you. We're already with 15 people in this classroom. How many people do you see that are like big stars, like big DJs? Not even 15 people. Mm -hmm. So it's, uh, it's, it's something that um, is only... I think you can only get to this point of a Martin Garrix or a Don Diablo with A, a lot of luck and B, a lot of hard work and um, making the right decisions. And and the, the, the funny thing about the right decisions is that those right decisions are always different for every person because every case is different. Music is not something you can measure. It's, I mean, maybe if Martin Garrix would, re uh, would have released uh, Animals five years later nobody would have cared mm -hmm. it's all being in the right time right moment and yeah 
and pushing forward even if it fails it's it's what it's my absolute life motto it's my life uh it, it it's the words that i live by are by winston churchill people if you don't know him google that man <laughs> he's uh he said uh, success is going from failure to failure and keeping your enthusiasm that's okay. the only that's the only and that's i think those are very true words and I mean, uh, everybody thinks that Martin Garrix just came out of the blue, but there are videos online where you can see him as a six-year-old or seven-year-old playing a DJ set in, 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 in clubs somewhere or in, in at parties. He yeah. was already at that time thinking about becoming a big DJ. Tiesto, same thing. He was already 30 before he really before his career really took off but that was because the scene wasn't ready yet mm -hmm. i mean it's it's all these connections you know it's it's so when people tell me uh, how great things are going i always try to temper the enthusiasm and just go like well you know i can buy my bread i can eat what i want i can live i can pay my bills yeah and i can make music all day long so i'm a happy man yeah and we'll see how long we can uh, we can do this but if it's up to me uh, for many many years to come <laughs> well i wish you all that <laughs> for those many years to thank come you, thank um you. thanks for talking to me you're welcome and uh, good luck in 2018 same to you so that was uh, the chat with my uh friend DJ Licious um, at his home studio uh, in the Antwerp area in Belgium. Um, yeah, really hope he uh, can continue on the way he has uh, been uh, yeah, doing stuff uh, last year. It was really, really amazing year for him and um, wish him all the best. I hope you liked this uh, podcast or this edition of the podcast Flash Forward Talks. Um, next up will be I'm going to uh, France um, to play a set in the Alps while skiing somewhat as well uh, for Austin Ski or no Austin Snow that's what it's called Austin Snow uh, a kind of a spin-off of the Austin Beach Dance Festival so uh, I think I'm gonna record the set I'm uh, I'm doing there that's gonna be put up uh, after I played it of course and uh, then you can expect a new edition of uh, the regular Flash Forward with Major K uh, mixtape in the podcast um, Yeah, in a couple of weeks' time. Okay, so um, look forward to that. Um, and meanwhile, um, yeah, see you next time and enjoy the sunshine. Bye-bye. <laughs>